Turning to the Gospel according to Luke. The Gospel according to Luke. Can I say there's plenty of accommodation for uh, children out in the crash or out in the main barn hall itself? Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, and verse 10. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. Verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up, For many years, take thy knees, eat and drink and be merry. God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? Verse 37 of the same chapter. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, He would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also. For the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Turn over to the next chapter, Luke chapter 13, for the first five verses. And then we'll try and connect the whole thing to you as the meeting goes on. Chapter 13 and verse 1. There were present at that season some, I want you to notice the word season and some. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. And Jesus answering said unto them, 
Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them. Think ye that there were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. perish. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his word. On the 8th of May, 1987, at precisely 7 o'clock p.m., an eight-man unit of the East Tyrone Brigade of the Irish Republican Army, heavily armed, in a van accompanied by a JCB digger, the JCB digger loaded with a bomb, they attacked the man police station in Loggall. Embedded within the police station was a number of special air service soldiers. And although the terrorists had armor plating or armor, armor around their bodies, eight of them were killed, including a passing civilian. When it was proved that the dead terrorists and the guns found in them and did many murders in the two count in two of the counties. And also the discovery of a Walther pistol that they took from an executed policeman. The praise went up. The sentiments from the majority of people was proper order. Justice done. Retribution has visited the terrorists. Restitution has been executed and delivered at Loggall. And even to this day, ballads are sung on both sides regarding that incident. Now I want you to reel backward from there in your mind 21 years to the 21st of October 1966 at Aberfan, Glamorgan in Wales. At 9.15, a couple of hundred school girls, school children had gathered in the classes in the local primary school. All they heard was a massive roar of a mountain of slag coal dust soaked in rain and wet flowing down the mountain, striking the school, wiping out a good part of the village and killing 116 children and 26 adults. I remember as a 20-year-old listening to it on an old battery crackling radio down in the Vermana. The whole nation came to a standstill. Oh, what a natural tragedy. 
What a disaster. And a chorus of questions went up. Why did they allow a coal pit so near the school? Why did it not happen 20 minutes earlier when there was no school children in? Why did it not happen after 3 o'clock or in the summer holidays? How is it that all those children, innocent children, were taken away? And why was the rescue bit hindered with a continual flow of it for hours? Look, all was an incident. Aberfan was an accident. One was deserved, the other was undeserved. One was explainable, the other was inexplainable. One was a wicked and a willful act of murder. One was an act of God. One was terrorism, the other was carelessness. And as King Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. Now I want you to reel back from further back to 2022 years ago to where we were reading in Luke 13. It's a feast day in Jerusalem. Devout Jews from Galilee have come up to honor the Lord and to honor Moses' law. And as they gathered in the, in the feast in there that day, those men, women, and children, they were singing the Psalms. They were chanting the Torah. They were offering sacrifices. Innocent people worshiping and obeying the Lord. And as they were gathered in there, Pilate dispatched assassins with swords and with knives who went in when they were offering the sacrifices and slew them. And we read that their blood was mingled with the sacrifices that they offered. You can imagine the headline news. Just as the terrorists came into darkly those years ago and the blood mingled with the Bible and the hymn books. You can imagine the news that went out around the country. Pilate and Herod, who were at war, at war again. I want you to read back in your mind, I don't know how long, maybe six months, maybe a year before that, to Jerusalem again, to the pool of Bethesda. Now I hope you're following me this morning. We must get that in your mind. The pool of Bethesda, a great multitude of men and women, Lame and halt and blind, blind and lepers, palsied, sick and dying. And as they're waiting on the waters to move, suddenly someone shouts, "Flee! Look out!" The great watchtower of Siloam fell, collapsed, and killed eighteen. Jesus said, "Eighteen." What happened to the tower of Siloam? I don't know. Why did God allow that to happen when those dear people, many of them, couldn't go anywhere? Where's God? Whether it was an earthquake or whether it was a weak foundation or whether it was the wind or bad workmanship, I don't know, but the Tower of Salem fell and killed 18. And we read and look at verse 1. They were present at that season 
Some. Some escaped from the massive massacre. Some ran to Jesus. What's going on? Why has this happened? Lord, why has this happened? We're worshiping God. They're in the temple. They're in with the children. And you allowed 18. You, you allowed the, the massive destruction of them. Will you not call fire down from heaven on Pilate? I don't know what went on. But I know this. That the Lord Jesus never turned it. They expected retribution. They expected Pilate to be immediately dealt with. They expected clarification or identification of the reasons somewhere or another. There was no tribunals. There was no victim support. There was no inquiries. There was three words used twice by the Lord Jesus. And I want you to see them. And I want them never to go out of your mind. Now you can imagine what has happened here. Eighteen have died in the Tower of Siloam. We don't know how many were slain, slain in the these, and their blood scattered. There's many things the Lord could have said. There's many things that he could have done. And he knows everything. And he knew all things. He knew what to do. But what does he do? He mentions three words. Twice. Sinners. Verse 2. Sinners. Verse 4. Sinners. Second word he uses twice is repentance. Repentance. Except ye repent, ye perish. And the third word he uses twice is, if you want to accept ye repent, the both words are in verse 3 and verse 4. And then he uses the word perish. Perish. Verse 3 and verse 5. So here's his answer. Were they expecting an answer like this? Were you expecting an answer like this? Get it into your mind now. Sinners, repentance, and perishing. What are you saying here? Don't be focusing on who done it, or where it was done, or what was done. Why did they die? That's the problem. That's the problem. That's why he came. He didn't come to solve anything else. Why did these people die? Because of sin. Sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. There was one thing, my friend, in common in Lagal, Aberfan, Darkley, Enniskillen, Omar. Car accidents, road accidents, change. There's one thing, one thing. We're all sinners. And whether we're Protestant sinners or Catholic sinners or Welsh sinners or Jewish, Jewish sinners, it doesn't matter that. We're all sinners. And you're a sinner this morning. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see what the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't come to settle matters like this. He said, I, I haven't come to settle disputes. The two brothers over the land. 
I haven't come to settle disputes. I haven't come to, to tell you to pontificate what happened and why it happened why it didn't. I came to die. And why did I come to die? I, I came to die because sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. I came to die because the wages of sin is death. I come to die for the Welshman. I come to die for the Irishman. I come to die for the for, for the agnostic. I come to die for the atheist. I come to die for sinners. Oh, I tell you, there's some depth in those verses. Some mighty depth in these verses. And then he says this: "And except ye repent, twice he said that you'll all perish." Boys, I can see these boys coming, running to him and telling him all about this and what they should do with Pilate and what they should do and why did this terrible thing fall and what's going on? Where's God? Where's God? Repent, he said. That's my message to you this morning. If you're not saved, and even if you are saved, it's a message to you. If you're a sinner here this morning, not saved, Jesus is saying to you above everything else, repent ye and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Because you'll be in hell if you don't. You can twist and turn about any way you like. And listen, you people of God who have heard the word of God time and time again from this pulpit and other pulpits and you know rightly what you have to do and you still haven't obeyed him, you need to repent. And I'll be showing you in a moment what repenting means. What he is saying here is, I didn't come to settle arguments or disputes. I didn't come to pontificate on who done this or what done the other. I didn't come to die for the protocol. I came to die for sinners. I'm not going to start explaining. Jesus is not going to start explaining the sovereignty of God and the wrath of God and the justice of God and the judgment of God. I came into the world to save sinners. And he says, except the sinners repent. You boys that are bringing this message and this news to me, that want the, want Pilate destroyed and want to know what has happened, you just repent. That's what you have to do. Or you'll perish the same as them. And the orange man will perish the same as the log all man. The only way sinners can be saved, this is what he's saying. You know, the Lord laid that message on me sitting down back seat where I sit at the back beside my wife last Sunday morning. He laid this message on my heart. The only way that sinners can be saved from perishing in the fires of brimstone and hell is to repent and turn and flee from their sins to the cross. You need to repent this morning if you're going to be in heaven. You need to turn from your sin just now because God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. Do you know why why there's so many false professions in Northern Ireland? Do you know why so many thousands have prayed the sinner's prayer and they never went on and if they did, they're nowhere with God today? Well, the Puritans have it well answered when they say the disease theology. The disease theology. 
Just pray the wee sinner's prayer and ask the Lord into your heart and all will be well. To lie of the devil. If there's no repentance and no conviction of sin. There's no real repentance. There's no grief over sin anymore. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. It's a long time since I have been in a meeting and I've seen godly sorrow. Grieved. Grieved because I'm sinning against God. Grieved because I'm not do I'm not living right. Grieved because I'm not obeying God. There are two Greek words for repentance. One is matalomai, which is a false repentance. That was the word used for Judas. When he repented and flung the silver pieces down in the temple, he says, I have betrayed innocent blood. He can cry and kiss and do anything he wants. He went to hell. Use the word repented for Judas. Another place where that false word is used is Esau. It says that Esau found no place of repentance because he sought it carefully, carefully with tears. What was he? What was he repenting? He repented. He wept because he lost the birthright. He wasn't repenting over his sin. Jacob had stolen the birthright from him and it was gone and he never got over it. It grieved him all his days and coming to the end it still grieved him. He repented. He, he was sorry that he lost it. It's the same word used for Saul when he repented. And Ahab, he repented. False repentance. It's not the tears of repentance and prayer but it's the blood that maketh the atonement for the soul. We can cry and we can weep all we write with a false repentance, but if it's not repentance towards God, if it's not a grief over sin, if it's not a sorrow over sin, if it's looking to get something out of it or something right or something fixed, I had a fellow knocked at my door when I lived in Richard over 30 years ago. As soon as I opened the door, I knew him. He says, could you help me to the Lord? Well, I happen to know that... He was about to stand trial in a big case that he had stolen, thieved. He says, I want to come to the Lord. I says, you buy So I prayed with him and read with him, told the scripture, dared to cry. What was he looking? Well, I'll tell you what he was looking. Do you know what he said to me going out the door? Could you do anything for me? <laughs> Could you help me? What? To get out of this mess. Before he said it to me, I, I knew he was going to say it. No, I says I can't. So he went to court in prison. Boys, he'd drive over. Big car with personal number plates. He had a whole lot of money stashed away that nobody could get hold of. Wasn't one bit interested in his soul salvation. Are you like that this morning? 
You can some tight corner this morning and you want out of it and you turn into religion. Well, turn away. You turn to religion all you like, but that'll give you nothing. But oh, could you help me? No, I can't help you unless you repent. I can't help you unless you grieve over your sin. I can't help you unless you're prepared to turn away from your sin completely and have real repentance and real brokenness and real grief. There's enough false profession without me trying to get one out of you. The repentance that John the Baptist preached about, the repentance that Jesus preached about, the repentance that Peter preached about, the repentance that Paul preached about, is real and genuine and honest repentance, the repentance we preach here. Not putting up your hand or nodding your head. Though you can do that and be saved. It's grief over sin, and that's the gospel we need to preach, and that's what we need to keep presenting in these days of false professions. And if you made a false profession and there's no nothing in it, you would need to get saved. That's what you would need to do. You need to repent of your sins and turn to the Lord as fast as you can, for there's not a bit of light of life about you as far as God's concerned. And you know that. You have a desire for prayer. You have a desire for the Lord's table. You have no family altar at home. You never witnessed a one about the Lord. So we put a big question mark over it. Was that only a profession you made, son? You need the repentance of the prodigal. The second word is the prodigal and Jesus and Paul and them. That's the second word, metanoa. Metamorphosis. You know what the metamorphosis is? You know the caterpillar in the cocoon that's inside it and grows too big for it. And it has to get out. And it must get out. And when it gets out, it turns into a beautiful butterfly. But it's not easy getting out, you know. Not easy getting out. I'll mention that to you in a wee minute. It's not easy getting out. The prodigal, his repentance wasn't easy. He was down at the swine truck. It says he came to himself, and here's what he said. I have sinned against heaven in thy sight. Repentance is towards heaven, towards God, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to do with heaven. It's in the sight of heaven. Not to please your wife, not to please your husband, not to please the pastor. It's to do heaven. Here's what he says. He says, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight is against heaven. And in thy father's house, he says, there's bread and despair. You know, he could have kept repeating that from then to now and still not be saved. He had to do something. I'll arise and go, he said. He could have repented and said that. He could have said it from then to now. He could have came to himself, I can see my sin, I can see my state. In my father's house there's bread and there's despair. And oh, what, oh, what I've missed. No, oh, how sinful, away down with these old swine, with the old swine and nothing. Did. He could have sat there all his days. He had said, I will arise and go. Will you rise and go this morning? 
Will you come now when he has called you to repent for the last time, maybe? Or will you sit in your sin and go home to your own old trade? There's no sorrow, no godly sorrow, no fear of God, no fear of sin, no fear of hell, no fear of judgment. What did you come out here this morning to see a reed shaking in the wind? You come out here to hear the truth of God. And I say to you, as I've said many days from this pulpit, if you don't like it, you know what to do. We're not going to twist and tingle at the word to suit you. You need to repent of your own sin. Don't be looking at somebody else's sin. Don't be looking at somebody else's fault. Don't be blaming somebody. Oh, I don't come to the prayer meeting because doesn't you matter you get yourself right. He had to rise and go. And that's the repentance that brings joy to the Father. That's when heaven rejoiced. The angels in heaven rejoiced over one sinner that repented. That's all embedded in Luke 15 in the three lost things. Brought joy to heaven. Not easy. It wasn't easy for that caterpillar to get out of that cocoon as it grew and it grew, it scraped and it, and it tried and it bled itself. And you know, many of them, many of them died on the way out. It's painful, let me tell you. It's painful to change. Metamorphosis is painful. They turned around and they scraped and they went on and on and on. You know, we'll do anything but repent. We'll do anything but genuine repentance. We'll do anything and lay before God or come up to here this morning and say, I'm laying all on the altar for God. We'll do anything but that. It's painful. I tell you it's painful. For I know it. It's painful if you want to go on with God this morning and go through with God this morning. It's painful. It may mean you going and bringing stuff back. It may mean you go on and put things in right with your mother and your father and your sons and your daughter. It may mean that. It means that. But you can stand and say, there's nothing before me in God. Oh, yes. It's very, very painful. Genuine and honest. And honest repentance. Listen to what the psalmist said. He says, I thought... On my ways. We're not great at thinking. We're not, we're not great at sitting still these days. We'll have to keep busy. Have to keep active. Thinking in the wee foot. I saw one on the phone the other day and said, must have been, five fingers must have been going. Earplugs stuck in the ears. Everything that we can do to shut out. Reality. You sit just still this morning but you can't move. You just sit still. And God's speaking to you this morning. The psalmist says, I thought on my ways. Now what did he say? I turned my feet. That's repentance. It's going in the opposite direction. The old Puritan said, turning around a face 
face completely round, turn in the other direction. About turn. Are you prepared to do that this morning? Are you prepared to say, Lord, I'm done with it. I'm finished with it. I'm over with it. I want help. I need help. I need to pray. I need to cry to God. I'm over with it. I'm done with it from this moment on. But you'll hear in a minute, as I close, you might leave it too late. I thought on my way as I turned my feet and I made haste. You see, the Lord never tells us to do anything without telling us why we need to do it. And that's why I read in Luke 12. Why I read those three portions in Luke 12 is because that was the season. That was the period, that was the time in which this, uh, the, 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 these verses are embedded and embraced. And this was the time. Whenever those Galileans, some of them came to tell the Lord Jesus, this was the season. He says, at that season. What season? The season of what he was saying in Luke 12. And what was he saying in Luke 12? He says, if you don't repent and keep on rejecting the gospel and despising the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that keeps pointing you time and time again to Christ, if you don't, that's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, continually turning against the Holy Ghost, continually rejecting the Savior. If you don't, you'll perish. He says, all manner of sins will be forgiven. Quench the Spirit, it'll be forgiven. Grieve the Spirit, it will be forgiven. Vex the Spirit, it will be forgiven. Murder will be forgiven. Rapists will be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, blasphemy against the Son of God, and in the context of that was the old Pharisees who were blaspheming Christ. He said he was born out of wedlock. This carpenter from Nazareth, why should we listen? He's casting out demons, but he's a demon himself. Dangerous work. Dangerous work. And you're on dangerous ground this morning. If you have heard this gospel message more than once, you're on dangerous ground. Oswald Smith says, no man has a right to hear the gospel twice. To everybody has heard it once. I tell you, you've heard it more than once, sir. You've heard about repentance from you at that height. And when you were in your mother's womb, you were prayed for. And every time you hear the word, and every time you reject the Holy Spirit, you're rejecting Christ. And you'll perish. There'll come a moment, and maybe it has come in some of your lives, it'll come a moment when you'll not be able to repent. It'll be too late. You blaspheme the Holy Spirit for the last time, maybe today in this house. You think I sat back there last Sunday and God spoke that into my life, into my heart? Blaspheming the Holy Spirit, the withdrawal of the Spirit of God. 
And listen, that not only goes for sinners, it goes for saints. And I'm not saying if you're saved, yes, the Holy Spirit will dwell within you, yes, and he always will, and you'll never be lost, I believe. In the... But oh, I tell you, he's only in a wee small part of your life, and you've shoved him to one side. You don't keep quenching him now. And you don't keep grieving him, and you don't keep vexing him, and you don't keep hindering. Well, there's forgiven gift for all things, but there'll come a time when he say, I'm finished with you, you just go on. You go to the judgment seat. God helped you at the judgment seat. When God showed you that he had gifted you to do something, when God showed you that he wanted you to go to be a missionary, he wanted you in a church, and he wanted you in a place. But you said no. Well, you'll pay for it. You need to repent, he says, because the spirit is blasphemed. You need to repent, he says, because your soul could be removed. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. You'll perish tonight if you die in your sins, I tell you. Listen, as I close, this rich man, he was all excited about his fields and his fruits and his flocks. He rejoiced, probably they had a party. He was rejoiced and he says, eat, drink and be merry. I've laid up much good and I have plenty and I have everything. And he was jumping about and praising the Lord. Praising him, praising his work rather. God said this night. I have often wondered how this rich farmer died. I often draw the illustration about the birth of the farmer and the birth of the party out in Rich Hill when the whole children were around and he, he, he was playing with them and he got into the centre and the wee children were ring a ring a rose, he's round the grandfather. And I'll tell you, just like that, he snuffed out. I'll tell you, that ended the birth of the party. Big businessman in Fermanagh in the last number of months. A professional man. Plenty of working for him, plenty of money. Bought everything, went up to buy. Bought land and ground all around the shores of Loch and down not far from a mile from where I lived. So. He came to one of the men at the Loch Shore one day and he said, I've never seen a man as excited. I've never seen a man with such a, a, a love for what he was doing. And he began to talk about the land that he had needed to talk about, the ground that he had. you know where he was going? He was going on down into the loch. And an hour they pulled him out of it. Seriously. I was talking to the man that he was talking to. Seriously. Wonder did this boy deal with suicide? Oh, but he has plenty of land and he has plenty of money and he, he's all excited about the great work he has done and all that he's doing. I wonder did he die with suicide? You need to repent. 
before you blaspheme the Holy Ghost for the last time. You need to repent because your soul could be removed. And lastly, you need to repent because the saints could be raptured. Be ye also ready, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. That's more important than whether Pilate sent the men to kill or let go. He's coming. And he's coming soon. And if he were to come today, where will you be? Where will you be? The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Tragedies and catastrophes, tsunamis or earthquakes, what does it matter? Except ye repent, you'll perish. That's an awful word. Perish. That's what Jesus said. You worry about where the Lord God boys are. You just worry about yourself. Because if you if they're in hell, you'll be with them. Yes, you will be with them. And there'll not be one bit of difference between you and them, not a bit. And there's not a bit now either. Why? Because he says we're all sinners that need to repent. Not a false repentance. Genuine turning and sorrow from your sin to the Lord. Oh, but I don't feel like that. Well, you stay on your knees till you do. You quit all work and pull all plugs and get down before God till you do. And seek him with all your heart and you shall surely find him. And flee to the foot of the cross where he came to die for all men and all sinners. And you'll have eternal life in a minute. Your sins washed away. Oh, backslider, come back this morning. Oh, saint of God, man up this morning. Say, Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming now to thee. Wash me, cleanse me in the blood that flows from Calvary. Let us pray. Thank you. You've been very patient. <clears throat> Just ponder over now some of the things that we've been trying to say. I myself marveled at the response of the Lord in this passage. I myself couldn't really take it in how he dealt with this situation until I studied it, until I thought of it. Oh, what a loving God he is.
Now, Father, if you haven't already, bring to our minds, Lord, things that we need to repent of and turn from and flee from. Unless, Unless, Lord, you could maybe just leave us And we can cry like Esau and we can cry like Judas. Oh God, we want to be real this morning. You don't give us messages like this, Lord, to accommodate. Lord, what is there in my life? What have you been showing me this morning? What have you been saying to me this morning through this word? Oh God, I pray. Don't let any man or woman leave this, the precincts of this church for the last time. Lord, don't let this happen. Whoever this message is for, Lord, You can't make them. They have to do what the prodigal did. They have to go. They have to get up. They have to say, I'm coming. Oh, God. Turn ye, turn ye. Why will ye die? Lord, maybe tonight, maybe tonight, Maybe when this message hits YouTube, Lord, someone has listened to it and they're out into eternity. Maybe tonight we'll hear, Lord. Oh, God, it's real. It's real. Lord, you said it. Because you said that we can blaspheme the Spirit. Because you said that our soul would be taken from us suddenly. It's you said, Lord, that you're coming in a moment and to be ready. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless those who must go. We pray, Father, for those of us who stay to remember the cross and Calvary. I will do so with a joyful, praiseful heart for what you've done for us at that place. We ask these things in the Saviour's name.